Takes this range and spine. He made the lame to run. He gave the blind their sight. Sweet injuries, yet they and these, and for days against him rise. The text for the sermon this day is taken from John chapter 10, or that, well, that reading you heard earlier, or should I say John 11, which will be read throughout the sermon. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As, since I am preaching in the middle, not at the pulpit, there's two reasons. One, I think that would probably block my sight to some people. So if you make, I guess if somebody falls asleep, then that would be okay with that. But um, it actually is a good note. Just, you know, as you notice, I'm bringing a lot of different traditions of the church Note the word is traditions. Nobody, you don't have to do it a certain way. It's, it's the only reason I don't do anything because you have to do it. I do it because one, you get to, and two, they all teach some cool things. And so, no, there, no one's more of a pastor or less of a pastor. And I bring that up because here, there are pastors that will very much try to argue with me. You have to only preach from the pulpit, and I'll say, Jesus never preached from a pulpit. You know how I know? He didn't have one. So, but anyway, with all that in mind, the text for the sermon this day, like I said, is about that reading from Lazarus. You got a shortened version up there. If you can't tell, I'm trying to, I'm time conscious because of the movie at um, 6.15 or 7.15. That's why a lot of things are going to be shortened up tonight. But, so you think, before we get into the story of Lazarus, I want to have one verse to be kept in your mind. And that verse is this. That if anybody wishes to be my disciple, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. Those are the words of Jesus in Matthew 16. Keep that in mind. Now think of, now to the story of Lazarus. It begins that Jesus is out with his disciples. He's out going about the countryside, preaching and teaching. And all of a sudden, somebody comes to him and says that his dear friend Lazarus is sick. Now Jesus, who has made blind men see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, made very sick people better, does he go? No. He keeps preaching and teaching. He doesn't go to tend to his friend Lazarus. And it doesn't tell a little bit a while later that Jesus says that our friend Lazarus has gone to sleep. And the disciples, being dense as they are sometimes, think, oh, well, Jesus, they, he needs to keep sleeping. Don't bother him. But Jesus has to plainly say, Lazarus has died. And so he goes there, he goes to Bethany. Bethany is, is very significant that this is in Bethany. Because Bethany is within a walking distance of Jerusalem. Which means what Jesus is about to do is going to get a lot of attention because of where he's at. 
But he goes to Bethany, and right away, Mary, and remember, Mary and Martha, the two most famous sisters in the entire Gospels, because there's another famous story of Mary and Martha, where Martha is cleaning and doing dishes, whatever, and is complaining because Mary isn't helping. Mary's just sitting there listening to Jesus. To which Jesus says that Mary's doing the right thing. Interestingly, in this moment, when Jesus comes, Mary is the one that shows a little bit of a moment of weakness and faith. Because she runs and she sees Jesus and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now that is all she said, which is a little bit different than what Martha will say. But Mary is angry because she knew what Jesus could do. She knew he could make Lazarus better. And he know, she had to have known that the message got to Jesus, and Jesus did nothing. He just kept about his business, did not come and make Lazarus better. And then Martha comes out. Says a similar thing, but she adds something. And saying that, acknowledging that she knows that whatever she thinks, Jesus asks from the Father, it will happen. And so Jesus does the amazing. He says to Martha, telling the people, says, Roll away the stone. And they say, Lord, he's been dead four days. And, and by the way, King James has the best word ever to describe it. Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> Look it up in the King James. That word is really there. Stinketh. <clears throat> and this is actually important. This is different because Jesus has risen two other people. He rose, rose Jairus' daughter, which honestly it happened so soon that people say, oh, she must have really fallen asleep. They just thought she was dead when she's really alive. When it came to the, the son, the widow, that the widow had a name, again, maybe not as, not as easy there because he was being taken out to be, you know, to be most likely to be burned because the, mother, the widow was extreme poverty. But with, with that one, Again, they might say, well, maybe, again, maybe they thought he was dead and he wasn't, or, or there wasn't a lot of people. There could be a number of reasons why that one did not get the attention. But this one, the fact that he's thinking is letting you know that he's been in that tomb long enough that his body is decaying already. That is letting you know that that man is dead. And the fact that it said it's in Bethany is letting you know that when he does this, everyone is going to know. Or a lot of people are going to know. And so he's, the stone is moved away. And if any of you have ever seen the movie, the Son of God movie, or the Bible miniseries, just as a note, do not ever use that as a way to learn about your Bible. Because you're, you're going to find your Bible learning is very, very messed up. I've had kids, I actually have had kids that have depended on that. 
They said, well, I love when this happens in the Bible. I'm like, yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, the Bible really series showed it happened, but that's not actually how it happened. Because they changed it so dramatically. And one of the things they did with Lazarus was when Lazarus is raised, Jesus goes into the tomb, and like Lazarus is a balloon or Okay, if you're in 1980s and 90s, you'll get this illustration. It's like he's one of those Nintendo cartridges that just don't work. You have to blow into it. Anybody know that? Okay, good. You have to be, you have to be my generation to get that one. But that's the way they kind of make it look like poof, he blows just right, and boom, Lazarus is alive. But that's not how it happened. The way it happened is that Jesus is standing outside of the tomb, and he simply says, Lazarus, come out! Would you realize how amazing that is? I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried to wake up somebody who's really difficult to wake up to. Jesus is saying to a dead man to wake up, and he listens, he obeys. Jesus is not doing an abracadabra. Like, it's actually, he is giving a command to a dead man, and the dead man listens and obeys. And he walks out and mentions he's in the living, he's wrapped in the burial cloth. But before this happens, there's a, there are two little words that are, I know are shorter reading skipped over. And it says, does anybody know what's the, one of the shortest sentences of all English literature? It's not so short in Greek. Greek kind of rules this trip. But in English, do you know what's the shortest sentence? Jesus wept. So the question comes, the $1,000 question. And the question that is asked is a question that every five-year-old asks. Why? Why did Jesus weep? Did he weep because his friend had died? Did he weep because of the unbelief? I think some of that contributed. But I think there's a bigger reason. Lazarus was very sick. And then he died. I don't think it's hard to realizes because death is so painful. But death actually is relief from sickness. In other words, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he knew that Lazarus would have to get sick again. And he would have to die again. That is why the raising of Lazarus is actually a little bit tragic. So then comes the other question. Again, the other one. Then why raise him at all? As far as we know, Mary and Martha probably would have been fine if he did it. I mean, they're sad, they're grieving like anybody is. But why raise him? It's because Lazarus was there to teach the power of who Jesus is. Remember 
Remember when I started with that verse? Anyone wishes to be my disciple, they must pick up their cross and follow me. Lazarus rising from the dead was Lazarus's cross to bear. He bared that cross, and by rising from the dead, became the witness to the fact that Jesus had power over death. That he can raise the dead. That is what he was there for. The Mary and Martha, the reason he did not come straight there to raise Lazarus, to make Lazarus better, Mary and Martha's cross to bear was to endure watching their brother get sick and watching him die so that the witness be may be bared through Lazarus that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the resurrection and the life. And before we think that Jesus is being mean or whatever, understand that by Jesus raising him in Bethlehem, he knew it was going to cost him his life. In fact, it is that action, we're going to hear these scriptures at the very end of the service. It is because of this that Caiaphas begins the plan to arrest and crucify Jesus. Changes the whole way you look at Lazarus, doesn't it? There's actually a really, really good poem by C.S. Lewis called From Stephen to Lazarus. Stephen, who I'm actually going to reach on him in a couple of weeks. Um, Stephen was the first martyr for the, martyr for the faith. In the poem, C.S. Lewis is imagining is kind of make, is making the argument that Lazarus was actually the first martyr of the faith by being raised from the dead. Because he has, he had his, his ship, so to speak, has settled into the port. He was done. He was done with the turmoils of earth, of this life. And given the fact of his faith in Jesus, it is very reasonable to say that he might have been in heaven. And so when Jesus rose him from the rose Lazarus from the dead, that meant Lazarus had to live in this world all over again. One of my professors brought this up at CSL at St. Louis, and he had told this to another guy. He said, oh, I don't believe Lazarus died again. He's like, oh, you know, can you find me Lazarus? If he didn't die again, he's got to be hanging around somewhere. He did it. He died. He died again. And so, there's something in there that we learn. To be a, first you take out of that reality. First of the fact that God, our Lord Jesus, when he speaks a word, it happens. When you are brought to this font, or maybe not this font, maybe not this my Greek father's long gone. But whichever font it might have been, the pastor said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You come dead in your 
sins and trespasses. And the pastor, when he says those words, is it's really Jesus speaking through him and saying, Come out! In baptism, you are crucified with Jesus. In baptism, you are raised with Jesus. Why do we say that baptism does such wondrous things? Because of God's word. If Jesus can make a dead man listen, is it really that big of a stretch to think that with simple water, he can make us his children? And by the way, the whole the entire resurrection of Lazarus is really teaching about salvation. Did Lazarus make a decision to rise from the dead? Did he say, Lord, I accept your resurrection? No! He's dead. He can't do anything. We abhor death in our sin. But again, by baptism, when the word comes to us, however it was that happened, God called you, and by his word, you are brought to faith. But here's the thing. Your salvation came through the shedding of Jesus' blood on the cross, by his death, by his resurrection, guaranteeing that you will rise from the dead. And notice, this is why if you read in the scriptures, Jesus' resurrection is called a first fruit. His resurrection is unlike any other resurrection before it. Because unlike Lazarus, unlike Jairus' daughter, or the son of the widow at Nain, or the, the, the son who Elijah raised, or even the one who Paul would raise later, Jesus never died again. When we rise, we will not die again. We are getting the much, much better resurrection. But until that day comes, you are here in this world. One of the things as Christians, we get really, we fall into this temptation of living only for the everlasting life. Rather than living for Christ. Which means, we live only for the everlasting life. Who cares what happens? I'm going to live forever. I'm going to be I'm going to raise from the dead. But when you live for Christ, then we're thinking about every day we have. How can I serve? Because like Lazarus had the cross of raising from the dead, I guarantee it, the very fact that you're a Christian, you have a cross that you bear. It might be, I take, I take myself, I'm a pastor, but you know, I guess I can take cross a little bit sometimes. Um, but more specifically, I'm a pastor who's 34 years old, and I do not have a wife or kids. In case you don't know, that's actually tough. That's actually challenging. Because tonight, when I go home to the apartment, it's just me. And the reason is that I believe that can be a cross there. I guarantee it that there are people in the congregation that have that exact same experience. That feel that the church is only for the married or the ones that have children. My home church at times felt like that. That if you were married, if you didn't have children, 
You're like a broken Christian. You weren't quite Christian like the others. It can be a cross to bear. For those, some of you, you have a bigger cross than that. Perhaps it might be something like cancer. That's a cross to bear that you can walk with others who have it. Maybe you have a marriage, had a marriage that broke and fell apart. That's a cross to bear that you may walk with another who's going through the same. God gives us crosses because through those crosses we declare His glory. Because the thing is, as a Christian, yes, as we bear this cross, and our crosses, they're a constant reminder that this world is not permanent. This is the reason why God does not always make us better. Because this world isn't permanent. This world is going to die. So instead of letting us be like a frog with water slowly boiling up and we don't realize that we are dying, God instead gives us shots to wake us up, to remind us this world isn't permanent. So that when we would be ready for the world that is so, so much better. Where there will never be any sickness, never be any weakness. There will not be crosses to bear. Again, but until that day comes, the crosses we bear are our witness. If you wish to be his disciple, pick up your cross and follow him. Knowing that even in the face of death, whatever that may be, even if you have to be in a coma, you may be a witness to your family, to someone of the gospel. Until the day that we join the resurrection of the world, the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come, to Him be all glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Instead of the offer to sing and create to be a clean heart, uh, we are going to sing the last three verses uh, that hymn we were singing earlier. And meanwhile, while we collect the offer.